We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And yes, the Timberwolves lost again tonight against the Denver Nuggets, but this game felt a little bit more like a real NBA basketball game. Ed Davis just described it best just now on Zoom after the game when he said, we were just dead in the first quarter of those other games. And how about Ed Davis starting at center for the Timberwolves? What a weird year. Tonight we're going to get into some observations from that Wolves-Nuggets game because there's actual basketball. One of those observations will be that the Wolves did start at Davis at center and that they kind of, sort of, found a way to not totally get beaten inside tonight, which is certainly a progression from the past three games. Um, We'll also talk about how Davis starting led to a lot of D'Angelo Russell pick-and-roll game and how that led to what was probably D'Lo's best game of of the year I mean admittedly it's been a pretty shoddy season thus far for D'Lo but but still um that also you know came a lot in you know the shadow of D'Lo not playing at all alongside Ricky Rubio we're gonna have to we have to get into that that's definitely a noteworthy you know development in the the big picture of all this um and then we also just got to bring up Malik Beasley you know I thought he played at a really high level tonight um I was impressed with how he handled himself against his former team. But the place to start, um, you know, as I'm just thinking about this, is here. And, and that's with the idea that if, if this was a quote-unquote pretty good performance and the Wolves still kind of got smacked at home, well, I mean, it just it's, brings up the question, can they win any games without Cat? And, and I, I seriously, I think that's an important question if the hope, you know, is to have a halfway decent record when Cat when returns. D'Andre Russell spoke post-game um, – 
about how this team quote doesn't know how to win right now. And I'll, I'll play I'll play you the full quote because it was actually it was actually an interesting answer. And you know, it just it just kind of stinks that you know, Delo just pretty clearly doesn't like talking to the media. I I don't know. I think he's still pretty jaded towards the media just from his time in LA and and New York. And again, that just stinks because he really does have interesting answers sometimes. Um, it, it, this was an interesting spot tonight, and I'll, I'll play it for you here. D'Angelo, um, it seems like in those, these last few games, you guys kind of have these stretches of play where the game kind of just gets away from you guys. Tonight, the early fourth quarter was was that. What's the key to kind of stopping the bleeding during these, these runs where other teams just kind of take control? It's hard to win in this league. You know, uh, we're, we're still – Happen to be figuring things out. Um, I actually thought we played well. I thought we, you know, we played hard for 35 minutes, and then those the rest of that, you know, kind of you know got away from us. But like you said, it's hard. It's hard to win in this league. And I don't think we're ready to win yet. I think we're still, you know, figuring out how to lose. You know, it's, it sounds crazy, but the way you lose, you know, says a lot about the team. You know, and I think today how we lost was a good way to lose we, we did the right things throughout the game we played like i said we played hard for 35 process was right and um just let it get it get it get away from us you know at those small moments but i think we'll be all right for those of you who had the expectation that this team could at least stay in the hunt for the 10 seed this season you know that's probably not exactly an exciting sequence of thoughts from delo who you know should be this best the team's best player right now I mean, if you think about it, I don't think what he said is necessarily inaccurate, right? Like, what, what did he say there? We we happen to be figuring things out right now. They do, you know, because of the happenstance of Cat getting hurt. This team does happen to be needing to figure out their identity right now, which is a completely different one than than they had when when Cat was in the in the picture. And you know, under under that premise, you know, tonight. I, I hate to use this term, but whatever. Like it was kind of a moral victory that they were able to look like they had a real shot at beating, you know, a Nikola Jokic-led team through three quarters. Like the Wolves were winning. I mean, this team is throwing out Ed Davis and Nas Reed against Jokic. Those are legit their best options right now to defend. To defend, arguably the best center in the league. You know, they're just trying to stay afloat with the roster they have now. Can we get into a bigger philosophical conversation about the construction of this roster in general? Sure, we've done that before. Not going to do it tonight. But within the construct construct of this roster, they're just they are just kind of stuck figuring out how to lose right now. And as sad as that sounds, like it does kind of make sense. You know where my head goes with that, though. Even if it is fair, is to the idea of like, well, what's going to happen when? But, you know, between now and when Cat is back, like the way D'Lo describes it, right? I mean, it sounds like pretty much every game the Wolves play that the expectation will be a loss. You know, the, the next game is in Denver against the same Nuggets team. Then they're at Portland. Then they have two at home against the Spurs. And then two more at home against the Grizzlies. That's all over the course of the next 11 days. It, it doesn't sound like Cat is anywhere near returning. Saunders said pregame that Cat's first whatever weekly evaluation will be early this week. And and he also said that Akogi has to quote cross certain thresholds still before he can return. I mean I I'd be pretty shocked with Akogi if they didn't let that soft tissue hamstring injury 
heel all the way up before he returns. So it's just shaping up that this is maybe their group for these next six, you know, for those next six games against Denver, Portland, San Antonio, and Memphis. You know, I've, I've been talking about on the last few pods about how a good outcome over the stretch would be to win one in every three games they play without Cat. You know, maybe go five and ten in his absence if it's 15 games. I use that number because that's what they did last year when Cat went down with the knee in, the knee injury early in the year. But, you know, after watching tonight, which I do think was like a quote-unquote good game, you know, that still pretty much ended up a blowout. Well, I mean, five and ten just does not at all seem realistic. Again, you know, I'm I'm not trying to say this team needs to make the playoffs. Like, not at all. I I'm saying that it it, it feels like it will be pretty costly if the season feels washed out by the time that cat returns. Right? Like, it it's pretty obvious. Rosas in the front office have a plan that is much more long term than just this next month, and that's smart. I, I I get that, but I do feel like a pretty critical tenet of that plan was this year being somewhat productive. Right? I mean. Didn't trading away the their 2021 draft pick kind of tip their hand there? Like, I, I think it's very fair to say that this front office was was comfortable with having one of the worst records in the league last year. I just, I just don't know how that same idea could be anything but uncomfortable this season. And that's why I think there there needs to be a greater sense of urgency than what, even if Russell's message is interesting, they're just. There needs to be a greater sense of urgency than what that message, you know, portends. I feel like they got to figure out how to lose pretty fast because I think they also got to get to the next step in that process and figure out how to win pretty quick here too. A game, you know, where they, they played, played pretty well like tonight, I think that's a place to maybe start mapping out what that getting to winning could look like from a strategy standpoint. So, So let's start there. Observation two is that they did begin to find the outline of an identity, you know, through an offensive scheme that was heavily reliant on Russell-led pick-and-roll action. Right away at the beginning of the game, D'Lo and Ed Davis started getting some momentum with those two high high pick-and-rolls in the first two possessions. Then on the third possession, they got Beasley in the mix on the second side. You know, with Russell on the floor, that's the best identity of this group. It's, it's, a, it's a progression of the pick-and-roll game. Starting with actions that get a, get D'Lo a look off a screen, another action that hits the the big on the roll. You know, you kind of check those two boxes. And you got more space to work. You can have more options develop, like hitting Beasley on the second side. I I know. I mean, I know probably the majority of you right now are up a wall with Russell right now. But if he is going to be leading the offense, and he is and he is going to be leading the offense when he's out there, then then that's how you get this going. Like. I know the effectiveness hasn't been here, but this like this is what D'Lo's game looks like. It's what it's always looked like. More effective, but it looks like this. It's what he's good at. He's not he's not the player that's just going to cook guys all the way to the rim and get buckets there and get get to the free throw line. That's not his game. I mean, you've you've watched him play now six games. He's not physically imposing enough to do that. It's just not his game. I mean, again, we can have a, a bigger philosophical conversation here too about whether or not a player with that skill set is worth a max contract. Like, yeah, he's not James Harden, but but that's a different conversation this, than than this one that is about competing right now. 
D'Angelo Russell is the player on this roster with a max contract right now. And this is how you compete with D'Angelo Russell. You just got to do it more effectively. You got to execute. And that's not just on him. That's, that's as the group as a whole. Now, those pick and roll actions, they, they had not been effective in the first five games. Like, acknowledge that. Dilo ran 47 pick and rolls in the first five games, according to Synergy. And those possessions only turned out 25 points. That's a, obviously a small sample size, but a terrible, terrible 0.532 points per possession. Those pick and rolls, though, were more effective tonight. He, again, according to Synergy, he ran 10 pick and rolls tonight that led to nine points. If you don't want to do the math, that's 0.9 points per possession. In his all-star year in Brooklyn, D'Lo scored 0.893 points per possession on 920 pick and rolls. That's that's a good pick and roll in the NBA. That's 67th percentile. Pretty good. I, I just watched back those 10 possessions on Synergy, and all 10 of them were with Davis as the screener. All 10. Pretty obvious that was, you know, that was intentional by Saunders tonight. You know, to, that was the reason he started Davis over Nas, you know, so he could he could pair Davis with Delo's minutes. I asked Saunders about that post game. Ryan, you uh, to, to the Ed question too there. How, how much of, of that of starting him was about pairing him with Delo versus having Nas not be on Jokic? Both, you know, both both of those, uh, you know, you must have read my mind because uh, you know, both of those played into the decision. Um, you know, and we, you know, I make sure to watch last year's games when we're preparing for a team and Nas got in early foul trouble. Um, so it is about matchups too, because um, Nas is a big, big part of what we do here. And, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, I like some of the things that, that those two were able to find. And then D'Angelo didn't play with Ricky tonight. He had previously been playing with them. Was that specific to this matchup or do you see that being a stagger going forward? Yeah, not, not really specific to, to this matchup necessarily. Um, a little bit, but, um, you know, hey, the bottom line was we, we didn't have a few games. We had a few um, poor games, and we needed to change some things up. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we went to that tonight, um, 36 minutes. You know, I thought it was uh, – we played, you know, in spurts of really good basketball. And then, you know, you have obviously – have to add in that fourth quarter, and then it turns out to be a night that we didn't want. I left that second question in there about D'Lo only sharing the floor with Rubio for 50 seconds tonight after the two had been playing together for about 12 minutes together per game previously. And we'll get in that here next, but let's take a, a quick break here first. Hey, everyone. want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand-new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art for your pod, Q&As with Blue Wire podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of uh, tips and tricks that we all use. On top of that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google Stitcher, all those listening platforms. And what I can tell you from my own experience is it costs more than $15 a month to host your own podcast. Blue Wire Hustle only charges that, which is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com join. Ah! 
So observation three is no D'Lo and Rubio together. Again, they only share the floor for 50 seconds tonight. Clearly Saunders, at least for one night, was ready to kind of put that pairing on ice. Those two had shared the floor for 61 minutes in the first five games, and, and in those minutes they were outscored by 28 points. Rubio and Russell sharing the floor actually went well in those first two games when Cat was healthy, but that's a different, you know, that's a different part of the equation. They they did outscore the Pistons and the Jazz when Rubio and Russell were on the floor together by eight points in 24 minutes. It was good. But in the games without Cat, the, you know, the Rubio-Russell pairing has gotten wrecked in their minutes. They've been outscored by 36 points in 38 minutes. It's bad. Now, to be fair to Rubio, the Wolves have gotten wrecked in all of the minutes Russell's been on the floor this year. Literally, the Timberwolves have been outscored by 110 points in the 108 minutes D'Lo has been on the floor since Cat got hurt. Yes, that's that's a real stat. But from an execution standpoint, I think we we got an idea tonight in the third quarter of what an offense that runs through D'Lo is supposed to look like. He clearly used the freedom that that position gives him to create, to be able to work as the playmaker. In the third quarter, Russell had six of his seven assists and 10 of his 18 points. And the Wolves outscored the Nuggets by six in those 10 minutes. Unfortunately, or the, the problem here is that Russell not being able to play with Rubio just severely cuts down the minutes Rubio can play. Russell played 30 minutes tonight. Rubio only played 18. Rubio had six points and four assists, and he was just kind of a backup point guard. That's which is probably not what you brought him in here to do. And, you know, that gets me thinking of Rubio's first press conference thing once he was once he was brought in here and and he said that he was cool with coming off the bench so long as they were winning. Well, they're not winning anymore, and it, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like they'll be winning with any consistency anytime soon, you know. And this is because of that, this is going to test Saunders' ability to, you know, manage personalities. If he plans on playing Rubio the same amount of minutes per game that, you know, Rubio is making in millions of dollars per season – I mean, that's going to get tricky, you know, and it's it's kind of why, for that reason, I guess this resolves itself in those two again sharing the floor together. I feel like we'll look back at tonight as a game where Saunders' main intention was getting D'Lo going. And a casualty of that was that was just Rubio's minutes getting cut down. Now, if they if they are playing together, what I'll be tracking is whether or not when Rubio and Russell share the floor – if they do, is, is whether or not Rubio remains the point guard in those lineups, as he was previously in the first five games, or if he moves into an off-ball role next to Russell, and Russell is the point guard. You know, I, it's just, this is an important thing that can be figured out here without Cat. Like, a lot of things are very much complicated with Cat injured. Finding a synergy between Russell and Rubio, that can be found here. To end tonight on a positive note, let's, let's highlight... How legitimately great, you know, Malik Beasley played in this game. I, I was thinking back to to the Denver game last season. I was, I was at it in Denver, and I remember just seeing Malik before the game, and he's just, like, bouncing all over the place. And, you know, he clearly wanted to really show up his old team, you know, or, or, or play well, at least. And he really, he really kind of pressed in that game, I thought, you know, just wanting to perform well. And I, I thought going into tonight, because Malik is such an emotional player, 
Um, I honestly expected to see kind of some more of that pressing. But I was wrong. I mean, he was nails tonight. He made nine of his first 11 shots, and he finished the game with 25 points, seven boards, and five assists. I mean, he was a he was maybe the reason they were in the game through three quarters. You know, and I, I've been I've been hard on Beasley's defense in the first five games, and I want to kind of like clarify that when I've been bringing that up, it hasn't been to indict like Malik Beasley as a player or as it, or the contract or anything like that. I'm bringing it up, and I would have been bringing it up in the greater, you know, conversation about the Timberwolves, you know, defensive problems from a roster standpoint. You know, there, there's an like Malik Beasley can be very good and still relatively one-dimensional on one side of the floor, and I, I mean that's just kind of my opinion on it. But that doesn't take away from the from the side of the floor that he's actually been really good on. Like Beasley is legit been good offensively this season pretty much all season one concern I had about Beasley offensively this year was that he wouldn't be able to impact the game in as many ways as he did after the deadline last season you know just because I kind of felt like his usage would get pitched on you know on this roster but this year he's been really good in spot-up situations he's been good playing in transition he's been good working off of dribble handoffs with Nas or Ed Davis or whatever he's you know, and he's even shown some nice chops as a pick and roll initiator, which, which I feel like is a big progression for him too. You know, just for me, I, I believe a lot more in Malik Beasley as sort of the second side option in this offense now than I did a month ago. If they can iron out some of those rhythm problems we were just going through with D'Lo, and if Beasley and D'Lo can kind of grow with synergy alongside each other over this stretch, I think the Beasley Cat D'Lo trio could be scary offensively. I really do. And then thrown in the mix, like a Kogi defending the way he was before he got hurt, what we've seen from Culver defensively. And if Rubio can be a solid defensive option, now you got a top six that, you know, might be able to balance each other balance each other out a little bit there. I think I think the team can lose four games and we can also, you know, pick some silver linings through it and acknowledge that there's some upside in those six. That's all I got for tonight. Um, hopefully, we'll have some sort of status update. I don't know if it'll be a status update, just something on what's going on with Cat here um, early in the week, hopefully before this Denver game, and also hopefully more on, on Josh Okogie. He was out. Okogie was out on the game, on the floor, you know, pregame, getting some work in with assistant coach Kevin Burleson. So I think there's, you know, there's, I, I think it's safe to say Okogie will be back before Cat. But really just so much of this whole conversation tonight is is really theoretical with those two out. I mean, obviously we know everyone on this team's role shifts with Cat not in the picture. And as we've seen it play out, like a lot of things shift when a Kogi, you know, isn't isn't in there too. I think we've really seen Jared Culver and Anthony Edwards kind of take a hit to their rhythm, not playing with the Kogi or with a Kogi out of the, the rotational mix, like it, it obviously slid Culver up into the four where he did not, you know, play well initially. And it just kind of seemed to crush his confidence some, you know, and, and Edwards, it's been, has been pretty quiet, you know, since the first two wins at the beginning of the year. Though I should point out that Culver did seem to kind of get a little bit of his confidence mojo back tonight. All in all, this is going to be bumpy along the way. Like we know that it just is. That's, that's this roster right now. That's the talent they have on it. 
you know, going up against teams like Denver, like it's going to be tough. But at the same time, I don't think it can get worse than it's been these past four games. Maybe you're laughing at that right now, but like at the same time, it's just true. Like this team caught a left hook with Kat Nakogi getting hurt. They got to, they, they just got to kind of stabilize from that here in these games coming up. I mean, they're coming fast, but they don't have like, at least for me, they don't have an unreasonably high bar anymore. The bar is just, they got to do what they got to do in this interim period to not make the season a wash. That's the bar. And it's still going to be a challenge. That's going to be hard for this group. We'll see what Denver brings on Tuesday. Until then, I'm Dane. I'll talk to you on Tuesday night. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody.